welcome to Net Zero for Nothing, the podcast from the National Home Improvement Council, connecting industry, government and householders on the pathway towards zero carbon homes. I'm your host, Anna Scothan, Chief Executive of the NHIC, and in this episode of Net Zero for Nothing, we're meeting Chris Yates from FETA, the Federation of Environmental Trade Associations. FETA are a member of the NHIC, and in this member series, we'll get to know better the thought leaders and inspirational people from across the home improvement sector. The NHIC represents the whole repair, maintenance and home improvement sector from product manufacture, design, specification, install, insurance, certification and consumer protection. Members contribute billions to the UK economy and invest over a million hours of CPD training in each year. NHRC members are improving the nation's homes together. So let's get into today's episode of the podcast by welcoming Chris Yates, Chief Executive of FETA. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Anna. Thanks for inviting me on to the, the podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's what a, it's a really busy time for you. Um, you've recently joined FETA, but you've been connected with the council since 2018, as you were previously chief exec at Corgi, who were long-standing council members. But how are things going in your new role? How are things at FETA? Oh, well, it's fairly busy. There's uh, quite a lot going on, as uh, people may have seen. We've had um, heating building strategy finally launched, which is um, a bit, you know, a bit like London buses. It's been one of those years where you wait for ages and then all of a sudden uh, three come along at once and certainly heat and buildings and the net zero strategy and the various other ones that were part of that announcement as well have been um, uh, keeping us uh, on our toes and, and particularly good for the heat pump sector because there was a lot of support went in to start triggering the transition from gas uh, to heat pumps which we'll bound to touch on later on in the uh, in the podcast. Um, we've also got a lot of work going on with uh, building regulations. Um, England's been consulting. We're expecting those at the end of this year. Um, we're going through the Scottish uh, consultations as well at the moment. They're due at the end of this month to be submitted and Wales as well on non-domestic. So there's uh, lots of activity. Um, I think also with COP26, it's really got the net zero um, discussion going and I think uh, we've spoken about it before about the change in people's awareness over the term even if you don't fully understand what it means the fact that probably two years ago this wouldn't have been on people's radar but now every day you're seeing media coverage of net zero not just in our sector but within the right across the whole of the UK and how it's likely to impact people going forward so um yeah, it's a great time to be joining FETA. Um, the uh, that there was uh, really the attractions for me were the net zero agenda and building safety, and we we cover both of those with our uh, associations. And um, it's uh, as I say, I think we've we've got a lot to a lot to do over the next ten years. I think we're the critical decade at the moment. Yeah, for sure. And we will cover. Um all about heat pumps because the heat pump association are one of your members you're a federation right. of trade associations um and uh, but before we get into that I, i'd love to know how you became to work in the construction sector how did you end up in home improvement oh well, totally by accident actually i um i, I went for a, an interview uh in for one of UK PLC, I'd actually been a bit of the automotive up until then. So through vehicle manufacture, um, 
spare parts, garage equipment, and uh, yeah, went for an interview for uh, what I thought was a manufacturing business, which was really my background. I've got a, a degree in manufacturing and um, uh, spent a lot of time with that and sales and marketing, etc. And uh, it was a contracting business. And they said, well, you know, we've got the advert wrong. Um, but while you're here, um, you know, we've got this business that needs a bit of work on it. And uh, would you be interested in running it? So uh, the business was manufacturing oil-fired boilers, which I had actually come across one, which was uh, uh, installed in um, South End, where I come from, now the, the city of South End. And uh, we had an estate installed that had got oil-fired boilers on it. So I did know a little bit about them, but I thought nobody's fitting those now. And I was soon to find out that was quite reverse. So, yes, I very much fell into it by accident. Um but that was back in 1998, and um, I've been involved ever since in both. And, and, and as is the case, decision. yeah, as is the case with everybody that I've spoken to so far on the podcast, no one gets in it an obvious way. But once mm. they're in, it grabs a hold of you, and um, and it and it it it, it keeps you in. It's it's a Absolutely. it's an, it's, an, it's a powerful industry. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think a lot of it as well as you. You see, you obviously build up your network. You you know, you meet a lot of people that you, you know, I think everybody gets on pretty well, really, which is great. But you see people moving to other organisations and businesses and it doesn't, it never feels like it, despite the fact it is a big business, it never quite feels like that. So you feel connected, I think, in many different arenas. And uh, I've certainly found that in, in my role now. There's a lot of um, product areas that I've not, got involved with before but people i know are involved in it and arguably once you've got the principles of uh how these things work then you can apply them to other technologies as well so it's quite a um yeah it's a, an education and a fast learning curve from my point of view but um yeah it's a good industry to be in and i think one of our challenges will be to attract people into it we we i fell in by accident we want people to deliberately go into it because that's where the change will come over the next 30 years so bringing yeah. in apprentices etc is really important i'd say you know it, it's if you really want to make a difference with your career and work in an environment that is productive empowering and friendly there isn't a better sector to work in than in construction no, no i think that's in right. all aspects of it from material supply manufacture marketing and communications mm. there's so many different facets to it it, it it's um and you do something amazing yeah. you know when you can see what you've done yeah and it's you know it's like i would i like you know the apollo missions are the ones that i in terms of an engineering feat uh were the ones that brought a lot of engineers into the industry was was really inspiring and you know, arguably we've got that now you look at some of the the build work that's gone on you look at things like um hs1 that was built um, where you compare the time to do all that drilling compared with when the Channel Tunnel was formed. And I think it took 26 years for the Channel Tunnel and took about three months for HS1. So it's a really significant um, change there, uh, I think, that people can um, you know really relate to. But as you say, it, it's a bit like a rugby team construction. There's a job for everybody. There's always a role for somebody in a rugby team of whatever right. shape or size you might be. And I think construction is the same. I think you're absolutely right. So, so tell me a little bit more about FETA, um, the Federation of Environmental Trade Associations. 
Yes, that's right. We, as you say, we are a federation. We have um, six associations and our history goes back to actually back to the 1940s, although the um, the you know, if you look on Company's House, you'll see that we were called HEVAC um, when we were formed in 1973. Uh, that changed in 1984 to the Federation of Environmental Trade Associations. And the the six that we have are um, ADCAS, which is the Association of Ductwork uh, Contractors and Allied Services. Um, we've got the Building Control Industry Association, uh, the British Refrigeration Association, um, British chimney, British, British flues and chimney manufacturers association. Even I can't remember all of them. Um, which is involved in biomass and uh, stoves predominantly. Um, we've then got the uh, HEVAC, which is the Heating, Ventilation, Air Conditioning Manufacturers Association, and the Heating uh, or Heat Pump Association as well. So they all came in at different times. So they've all come together. They're all. I mean, it's a one thing about construction is we do we do love an acronym and we do love a trade association or, or a trade fed or we like to get together with people of our own um specialism but what would you say that they've all got in common well they're they're probably predominantly manufacturers um there are links on technologies so for example air conditioning you could put through the british refrigeration through the heat pump association through the uh, ductwork contractors, although most of their work would be in the ventilation sector. Um, and I think the way that we interact with government as well is they're quite often, you know, they're all, a lot of them are all dealing with um, building regulations. So it's, it helps if we are able to represent them as a, one entity in front of that, albeit they will uh, they will apply or they will respond as their own associations as well. So we, I would say we we link they link on not always all the time together. So like some of the issues that we've got at the moment would appeal to all of our contractors, um, not necessarily manufacturers, for example. Say for professional indemnity insurance, which is um, has been a concern for some of our, our members. So it's it just gives them that voice. I think it's an enabler to get them in front of. Um, government uh, and certainly opens doors i think because of the history that we've we've got and we've been very active over many years being instrumental in helping to develop uh, government policy as well oh and we have the feet to lunch and that's a really good reason why anybody should join uh, <laughs> well Federation if we've got time you can tell us about that of but course I, <laughs> I couldn't make it this year um but it was um i hear a very exciting day it was good um, yeah it was good that's another thing that's common amongst construction professionals. Um, yeah, they do we like a good lunch. We do like a good lunch. Um, so you were talking about uh, then about the importance of influencing policy and interacting with um, government who who make the policy in in Britain, um, and and it's it's quite a, an important role for trade associations that that we do this sort of influencing and. Because, and especially at the minute, because governments are grappling with some really big changes for the UK, and it, a lot of it is connected to the carbon agenda, um, and with not just agreements for COP, because before then we had the Paris Agreement, and there's, you know, the the the, the inconvenient truth that we have as humans um, impacted our environment significantly, and that if we don't 
uh, make significant changes that we're going to do irreversible damage to the planet. I don't think anybody um, disagrees with that. And so all governments are really grappling with ways to do that. And our own government are grappling with some really big challenges around energy supply and transitioning from effectively fossil fuels, which is our gas supply. It's a, a fossil fuel um, resource that isn't going to last forever and um, is relatively damaging to the environment from its emissions. And so they're grappling with how are we going to transition the country to a different type of energy source. And of course, that impacts us as individuals in our homes, because that energy source, that's what we use as electricity. It's what we use to heat our hot water, which impacts the boilers. It impacts our showers, it impacts our baths. So what does your association, how, how do you pull all of that together and, and how do you sort of connect those big issues? Yeah, I think it's breaking it down to uh, manageable tasks really for consumers because I think the I always think the, the main thing we've main things we need to think about is when government aren't going to fund all this um, and ultimately if government are funding it that means we are paying for it uh, through obviously through our taxation system and I think the um, alongside that though I think I think industry's got a very very strong role to play in in how it influences that and how it creates creates the change so if you look at let, let's we talk about heat pumps but i think you can you can argue, argue the same point for if you're looking at a gas boiler installed or or a hydrogen boiler i think the the outcomes are very similar but the we know for, for sure that and certainly the market research with consumers is if they need to replace their gas boiler they want it done a they won't a they won't get it done before it's broken they'll wait till it and i can testament to that so um you know I'm, I've, I've been there we replace with chris in reality it is, though, chris, yeah. who is going to change their boiler just because yeah, because it always works doesn't it it sits there generally always works you don't notice it most people probably don't know the brand they've got um so when it's breaking when it's deteriorating or it's broken down then people replace and when they replace because it's a, one of maslow's basic needs people want it done quickly well, if you're moving to a heat pump, that's not necessarily quite as straightforward as that because you may have a property that isn't insulated properly. And the first step on the journey to net zero is, in my view, you've got to go fabric first. You've got to say, we've got a leaky ship, we've got to plug the holes, we've got to stop water leaking out. And that's, that's, that's effectively the same energy. science-led approach, you know, yeah. and it... Yeah. it, 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 it it's not rocket science. You were talking it, it, it about isn't. the moonshot. It isn't. Unless you want to heat the car park or your back garden every day, it's probably not a sensible thing to do um, because it's going to cost you a lot of money. But um, and I think this is in some ways where we need to, people need to. And I do. I, I decouple the cost savings and the carbon savings away from what's logical. What would you? Where would you start from? Knowing that not all of this is going to have a short payback. You know, it's got. It's getting. It's and. My view is that certainly for householders is that look at it as a 10 year plan. If you're a social housing provider, you're probably saying, I'm going to take those properties to net zero and I'll do them all at once. 
you know, so I can afford to do that. But most consumers aren't going to be in that position to do it. So they've got to look at it over 10 years. And that actually suits, I think, the move towards heat pumps. Because if you do start to insulate the property first and you look at the things like your loft insulation, is it to the, have you, A, have you got it? B, can you improve it further? So that, that generally they've got to be about a foot thick to meet with um, or 300, 270 millimetres, in fact, to meet with current building regulations. Um, and we'll doubtless come back to the challenge of sorting out loft insulation at some point, because that's not the easiest thing to do. But but we're joking about that. But it does give a, a, a direct benefit, as does um, looking at draft exclusion in the property. You know, they're all relatively low cost things that could be done. You then look at the um, things that would benefit the heating system. So we could do things like double glazing, et cetera. Um, but maybe I would look first at perhaps looking at a, um, a low temperature heating circuit, which helps to benefit most heat pumps. Not all of them need it and not every house needs to go to low temperature, but there is a benefit also to the gas boiler because it does actually start performing more efficiently because you're not driving it flat out. So it's like your car. If you drive it at 100 miles an hour, we well, shouldn't do, but 80 miles an hour on the motorway, it's going to consume more fuel than if you run it at 56. So imagine you want to run your heating system at 56 miles an hour when it's at its most optimum. So that's what you're trying to do with a, uh, in broad terms, with a low temperature heating circuit. That does have implications for the property because it may impact the pipe work. It may, it will probably almost certainly mean all the radiators being changed and that's something you might want to plan in so you might want to do that over a, in a couple of years time you might think well i've done my loft this year i'll start i'll work out the cost for upgrading and i'll find out what it means to have a low temperature heating system um, in my property and i'll do that in two or three years time knowing that i've only recently changed my gas boiler and I've, i'm going through this at the moment and I'm thinking in 10 years time when I might need to change the gas boiler, then I'm ready for a heat pump. So it's yeah. thinking about that property improvement plan over a longer period of time. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and we oftentimes don't think about how we need to maintain our homes. We might think about decorating and having a new kitchen because islands are fashionable now or they're not fashionable now or whatever it might be. Mm. But actually... What you're saying is, is well, it shouldn't really be quite novel thinking, but actually that if you know you're staying in a property for 10 years, think about the environment, the world in which your house needs to be in 10 years time. And we know because of government ambitions around low carbon, we know that it's got to be, a, it'll either be heat pumps, it'll be hydrogen or some yeah. other low carbon technology. And so, we've got to start thinking, well, how do we make our houses ready for that and start having that 10 year plan? And you might say, well, I'm, I'm going to move in five years, but get your house ready then. And that makes it even better for selling. That's right. As, yeah. As and part they, of that. They do transition. attract a premium. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that's right. I think we've, um, you know, we, we've, we, we need to reduce our consumption anyway. We, we know that we haven't got any choice at this. We can see that now we're already, on a trajectory that's going to take us through 1.5 degrees Celsius in, in increase worldwide. Um, you know, this thing is coming. And I think this, as I said earlier, I think this decade is crucial that we get the platform in place 
to enable us to start getting that temperature brought down at a later point in time. But the, um, as, as I was saying, around the changes that I've outlined, all of those benefit a gas boiler. All of them will benefit a hydrogen boiler. So you're not making, this is a no regrets policy in terms of you're spending the money, but you're not going to waste it. Yeah, it's going to make your property more attractive. That's a key point, actually, because and you've described it really well, that you wouldn't drive your car flat out all the time and, you know, well, keep slamming your brakes on because you're just wearing everything out mm. and you're running mm. it at maximum. And because we've got super leaky houses that are super inefficient, because we, we kind of didn't know any better a little bit. Mm. Um, but we do now, and it's about correcting those um, imbalances before they need. And even if, even irrespective of whatever the solution is, having a more efficient house is better for your pocket anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think, I think it's, I think it's understanding what your, your property is doing. I think you know, there's a lot of talk about smart meters and how effective they are, but you've got a lot of the tools around you. You've got, um, you've got things you could do logically, i.e. upgrading all your lighting to LED. You know, there's plenty of advice on say like the energy savings trust website that would direct people to the right type of technology in that sense. Um, we can also get savings from looking at your gas bill, look at the um, your, your consumption year on year. Okay, it's affected by temperature, but you're going to get a fairly good idea of, of what the savings can be. For example, my bill dropped by a third by moving to a condensing boiler. So, and there's plenty of good research online that will tell you what the right choices are to make. And I, I would just steer people to credible websites, government EST, um, you know, manufacturers' websites will have good data on them as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's building up your understanding, which is, again, don't try and do it all at once. Just spread it over a period of time. You, you get, so make sure you understand what is going on. Um, I mean, I, you know, my analogy would be if I, if I go and see the doctor, I wouldn't be sure reasonably this is probably just me but i want to have a reasonable idea of what's wrong with me before <laughs> i go in because then i can talk sensibly around with them and the other thing that i've noticed with them as well and let's think about it with your property is that they like things like fitbits uh, app trackers all that kind of thing because it's providing data, data. and yeah. you know you're, you're able to then talk data rather than talk about feelings and opinions this is fact-based and you've got lots of data that you're getting at the moment that you don't need a smart meter for if you haven't got it you can work it out and start seeing where you're spending money and think okay what could i do to save cost there and what's the right thing to do yeah and one of the challenges that associations like your members and i know that um, the NHIC's members are grappling with at the minute as well is around the um, education and upskilling of installers because obviously a big um, source of trusted information for us is when we speak to the installers that come in and and maintain our uh, appliances if we have maintenance programs or when we need some work to be done um, and I know that the heat pump association have said that then you know to to get to be to get to be having 600,000 heat pump installs a year, it's quite a significant S-curve that we need to attract more people into the industry. And there's also um, an upskilling or reskilling of existing workforce on that. And how, what a, what a feat, how are you supporting your members to, de to deliver that um, 
increasing knowledge in the sector. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I the uh, that you maybe aware that there's the big competency review going on at the moment, and so I think we've you know we're going to see this everywhere that the skills need to be up upgraded um specifically with heat pumps the um we talk about low temperature heating circuits earlier the cipage have developed a really good course on this which they've worked with um hpa on it as well and that should enable gas installers and plumbers to be able to upgrade the um the heat emitter circuits get it to a low temperature uh status and then coupled with that the hpa are have got training courses on how to install heat pumps as well so if let's say you're uh, you're you're currently a a gas installer uh, and we get a number of them ring us and you know say what do i need to do to uh, enable myself to install boilers uh, so heat pumps rather um they're probably the routes to go those courses are being rolled out at the moment and i think the I mean, what I would say to people as well uh, is that, as I say, the, the, you know, that these are skills that you can use anyway with your customers. So the low temperature heating circuit one definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, heat pumps, if you've been on the training course, you can talk knowledgeably with your customers as well because the installers are going to be the ones that will influence this. Uh, and also the, the the shift to get to the 600,000 a year really needs um gas installers and oil boiler installers trained up to install these products as well so it's really important that we're engaging with the industry to do that and it's a really exciting time i think if you're um what we used to call plumbers and then because they did gas and water um but then they'd sort of become you know your gas engineers and your your wet trade um plumbers it's a really exciting time and these Mm. guys and girls that are working in this space they're the key to it because you've got to have a system that works with the external national energy supply that works in a home in an efficient home and then is able to give great experiences in the shower or bath so that people feel as though they've had a really positive, um, you know, woken up in the right way mm. with their shower in the morning. So they're not complaining about not enough water or not hot enough, etc. Mm. And that, the householder is going to be looking to these professionals to to help them on that journey so that you end up so that we end up in a space where we're living in efficient homes we're managing and massively reduced our consumption so we're not damaging the planet but we're still able to live and thrive mm. in a really wonderful environment that we want to yeah. yeah i think i think that's right and i think the uh, you know installers are going into these into a customer's property probably once a year minimum to do a, a gas boiler service and it's an ideal opportunity to be talking to them not just about the heating side but it could be ventilation as as well you know for example they may have problems with customer may have problems with uh, ventilation or mold within the property and you've got you know there's an opportunity there to for the installer to be able to help the customer and it's down to industry to make sure the installer is properly supported in that because you know we need to be providing information that can do that um i know no, many of them will network with other people in their area so that they can draw on other trades like uh, electricians are probably a good example but also there could be companies for loft insulation or as we talk about ventilation as well so there's an opportunity to network there but i think the uh, I think there's a job to be done in terms of 
how do we get that message out there? And I think, I think sometimes the the installers don't see themselves as important, um, which is, you know, it's not the case. And I, I think the and I think therefore should be, you know, demanding almost that what you need to somebody needs to be giving me this information, whether it's through government, whether it's through yeah. industry supporting me, because I've got customers who can make the difference and install this equipment. And I've got to be able to convince them yeah. it's the right way to go. So and also, and also what an amazing job to go into from school mm. to, to go into this work on the trades, um, working with your hands, but still having a huge impact on people's lives and on improvements on the planet. But yeah. I, I, I wish I'd trained as one, but I'm yeah. going to say we've got two minutes left. And I want to know, as you know, this podcast is called Net Zero for Nothing. Um, what can listeners do for nothing or let's say less than £100 that will make a huge impact on their domestic energy bills and prepare their home for the future? And I know you've covered a few of them already. Yeah. Um, but what would you say? What can people do for nothing? Well, I, I would I would say and I think it's one of the biggest challenges that anybody has in a home is is clear your loft take clear your loft out so that you can actually put insulation in there because if it's like mine you're thinking i've got all these boxes up there i'm sure that's incredibly good in insulation that i don't need to worry about changing um but we've seen it before you know companies have paid paid people to to clear their loft you know and come in and done it and even and so, then people didn't want to do it even then people didn't want to so so we're laughing about it, but it is a massive yeah. challenge to get to get to that stage. So, I, I um, as I said, my background's manufacturing, so I, I I do what's called a 5S on my garage and loft, probably every 12 months to get rid of all the junk uh, and put it all back together again. But and I think I would just say to people, just start doing that, clear it, get it to a point where you yeah. can access everywhere to be able to go to that 270 millimeter thickness insulation um and then get it insulated that might cost you more than 100 pounds but you've got your house ready to go to the next step and it's all about baby steps to get from here to 2050 and just think of all the good great stuff that you can give to charity as well that you'll be uh with your recycling and reusing and upcycling and all of that side of things absolutely yep yeah, I've done a lot of that as well so and it's um yeah and particularly at the moment with the pandemic where they've not had those uh, contributions perhaps as much as they have it's a good time to to do it so um yeah okay well thank you chris for joining us um, you, for this episode of the podcast which is part of the member series from the national home improvement council the voice of home improvement and thank you also to our listeners for choosing to listen to us today be sure to follow us across social media searching for at the nhic and subscribe to this podcast, Net Zero for Nothing, on Apple Podcasts or Podbean for future episodes. And also don't forget to check out the show notes for all the links to the references that Chris has mentioned today, as well as other key hints and tips for achieving net zero for nothing in your home. And just before we close out, Chris, um, what is the um, URL, the username for FETA? www.fetaa.com feta.co.uk and what are you on social media it's at feta uh, news. news yeah at is the feta twitter news. handle great stuff and it's feta not feta
Is that something else? <laughs> Feta is something else entirely. Something else. Um, okay, so I've been your host, Anna Scothan. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Net Zero for Nothing podcast, connecting industry, government and householders on the pathway towards zero carbon homes. <laughs>